You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. So anyway, let's, let's, let's jump into the scriptures. We're doing a fantastic series, Pastor Tim Smith. Tim and Linda, just I mean, just bosses, absolutely extraordinary humans. Um, but 1 Samuel, this is one of my favorite scriptures, and we're doing a series at the moment called Culture Code. Culture Code, and uh, I found out, I think it was on Friday, they said, yeah, and you know, the, are you ready for the new series? I'm like, oh, sugar, what new series? Because I was like so engulfed in Hero, I didn't realize, well, they're like, yeah, Culture Code. I'm like, oh, wow, who came up with that idea? And they're like, you did. <laughs> of course I did. Brilliant idea. When did I come up with that and what does it mean? Anyway, and they're like, well, you're going to have a whole bunch of people after Easter that have probably joined the church. And, you know, they're going to think, well, hang on, this is not the church I grew up in. Where's your, where's your stained glass windows and all that kind of stuff? So it might be good to teach culture. So I promise you, you're going to enjoy this message, but I see that the clock is already against me. So let me try and read the scriptures to you and then we'll see what we can do with that clock. All right, so it says, uh, in First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim. Don't worry about the pronouncement of the mountains of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, the son of Jer- Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, who invented tofu. Probably not. That's not true. The son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, greedy. The name of one was Hannah. The other one was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Preach on this before. Basically, uh, he married Hannah. Hannah was his, his high school sweetheart. He loved Hannah. But when the years began to tick by and she was unable to conceive, in those days they didn't have social security. They didn't have a welfare system. Your children were, were the ones who would look after you in your old age. And so for you not to have any children meant that you were in a precarious position as you got older. And so he marries a second woman called Penina, and she is, she is able to, to have babies. The problem is that you can see that Penina has something Hannah doesn't have, and that's fertility and the ability to produce babies. But Hannah has something Penina doesn't have, and that's her husband's first love. So even though Penina is able to give her husband babies, he notices that his glance is never towards her. It's always beyond her. He always looks past her to Hannah. So there's incredible rivalry in the home. Go down to verse 8, and forgive me because I I only gave the the guys 1 to 7, but we need to jump into verse 8. It says, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Because she's not eating now. She's so miserable. Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? Probably one of my favorite scriptures, Tim. You and I can relate to that, can't we? I mean, I can't believe that our wives would complain. Aren't we better than 10 sons? Hello, I mean, look at us. Look at, I mean, I mean, the fact that we, we get dressed and do our hair is just, it's, we don't even need to. I mean, we should just roll out of bed in our jam jams with our hair up like this and just say, honey, you're welcome. Shouldn't we, Tim? The delusion of the male ego is the reason we have emerged. 
Ladies, you need to get your man to emerge because every man, now listen, we're not there to break his ego. You don't want to break a man's ego. It's because of his ego that he goes on a hunt. It's because of his ego that he wants to rescue the princess. He wants to do well. So, so we, we're not anti-ego. We just want to redirect ego. All right. Anyway, I need to keep going. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle. So they've gone to a feast of the Lord and and. Uh, Elkanah has given Hannah a double portion uh, for an offering. So everyone's giving an offering and 10%. He's given, giving her 20%. So she goes into the house of God. But this time she goes in and she's like, you know what? Everybody else came in, put their offering and left. She's like, ah, I'm not leaving. She comes in with a double portion, puts the offering in. And while everyone else goes back out and they're all partying and drinking and carrying on, she's like, I'm not. And she stays behind. And the Bible says, and she was in bitterness of soul. Eli, the priest, was sitting on a seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle. She was in bitterness of soul, verse 10. Prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she must be drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink but I'm pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman for out of the abundance of my complaint, everyone say complaint. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, ate and her face was no longer sad. And then the next verses go on. It says that uh, Eli knew her and she conceived and she brought forth Samuel. She brought forth Samuel and she dedicated him to the Lord. Father, I thank you for these few moments that we have together. Lord, help me to be articulate and execute these four points. Even though Samuel is laughing on the front row in disbelief. Oh, ye of little faith, Samuel. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Just... We just sat through hero and you're already laughing that I'm not going to get through four points. All right, come on. All right, here we go. Point number one, point number one. And this is, this is, this is kind of in the context of what, what you will experience at Awakened Church. And I think the title of this message is An Awakened Life. I, I, I press send to send the notes. Uh, Awakened Living. I was close. I press send and then realized I didn't write down what I sent. And there's no way to find it once you send it because it goes on this weird. So, okay, awakened living. That's what we're talking about today. Awakened living. It always helps when the pastor knows what he's talking about, right? Okay. So point number one, point number one, point number one. One of the things you're going to find as you come into this house, one of the first things that you're going to find is the inability to accept the unacceptable. 
is the inability to accept the unacceptable. What I mean by that is that as you begin to hear teaching from this book, you will find that God calls you to a life less ordinary. You will find that the God that you and I serve is a promise-making God. He's not only a promise-making God, He's a promise-keeping God, but He's looking for a promise-believing people. He's looking for a promise-believing people. Casey shared a few moments ago how there were all kinds of words, diagnoses, prognoses over his little boy Leo, over his little boy Leo, but as he began to lean in, as he began to sit under the teaching of the Word of God, the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As he began to hear the Word of God, he began to get a diagnosis and a prognosis that was very, very different to what the medical establishment had. And so Casey came to a point where he says, you know what, I'm not going to accept what they're saying because I heard something greater. I want you to know that one of the criticisms that, that you, you may experience here or maybe even uh, emote yourself is, man, at that wake, awakened church, I just think they're, they're unhappy guests because life can't be that good all the time. People can't really be that happy all the time. And like, you know, every message is uplifting. And, and Well, the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Apostle Paul said these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is, in, is love. So everything that we preach, every single preacher, every single person that stands in this platform has guidelines around them, faith, hope, and love. If, if the Apostle Paul says these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, then you better believe that everything we preach is faith, hope, and love. Every promise of God is accessed by faith. Every promise of God is received into our world through the conduit, through the medium of faith. Therefore, I do you a disservice if I'm not preaching faith, if I'm preaching hopelessness, if I'm preaching doom and gloom, and you go, life is hard enough outside the doors without you coming into a house of God, without you coming into the gateway of heaven, without you entering into the, the, the tabernacle of glory, into the realm where all things are possible, without me giving you the faith. It, it is faith that creates the transaction. So when you come into this house, you will find that there is promises available to rescue you out of life less ordinary. There was a movie with Jack Nicholson a few years ago called As Good As It Gets. And Hollywood, who had departed from faith, basically created a movie of why don't you just settle for second best? Why don't you just make the best of your mediocre, your haphazard, your hopeless life? Why don't you just accept that? Now, the Bible does say that, that, that there's a blessing in being content. There's a blessing in being content. But I want you to know that the Bible also teaches that there's a holy discontentment that you ought to have. Hannah, the Bible says the Lord had closed her womb. The Lord had closed her womb. It says it twice. So most theologians would agree with the doctors. So the doctor diagnoses his sweetheart 
you're, you're barren, you're unable to conceive, you're unable to have babies. And the theologians would agree with the doctors. They would take Hannah aside and say, sweetheart, the scripture says the Lord has closed your womb. We, we don't understand why the Lord would do that. But what we do know is that the Lord moves in mysterious ways. And though we don't know why the Lord chose to do this, we know that in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of difficulty, and in the midst of not knowing what the Lord is up to, we know that He's good. And we know that every, and perhaps the Lord's will for thee is that thou should feel the burden, the pain of not being able to conceive in thy womb and perhaps adopt adoption. But Hannah's like, no, 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 hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, last time I checked, if God closed something, he probably has the skill set required to also open it again. Like, if my children can open the fridge, those little rascals can also learn how to clo close the fridge. Yes. Do you hear that? Beep, 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 beep. That's because you left the fridge open. And so if, if I expect my children to be able to open and close. Hannah is expecting that the God of the universe, the God who created the cosmos and the galaxies. Many years ago, all right, let me help you. Many years ago, Leanne and I, Leanne and I were living in New Zealand and God had done a series of miracles. You know, my dad, when I went to Bible college, was so mad. He was an atheist. He was so mad that I was leaving engineering because as a German, he was very, very proud of his son who's an engineer. Because the Germans, they love the engineering. They have the Mercedes, the Porsche, the Audi, the BMW, the, the Volkswagen, the German engineer. And so when I told dad I'm leaving engineering to go to Bible college, man, he had a conniption. All these drinking buddies would say, yeah, here comes Ronnie. His son's going to be a priest. And, uh, and I'm trying to explain to dad, dad, I'm not going to be a priest. I'm going to marry Leanne. And, uh, but he didn't care. He was, he was just mad. So he made a vow that not one cent of support, and, and you know, he kept his vow. So, so we had to kind of struggle. And God did a series of miracles, and we, we, we got a miracle house. And then uh, I think it was like 18 months later, we, we, we flipped it for double what we got it for. And we bought land, and we built this house. And, uh, but again, these were all learning lessons. And, and I trusted a guy in the church to project manage, and he ran off with the money. And my wife was pregnant with our second son, Ash. And, uh, and so I would, I would literally uh, sleep maybe two or three hours a night because I would go down to the house and work from like three in the morning all the way through to 8.45. And then I'd get in the car and race to work, work from nine to five. And then at five o'clock, race back out and, and trying to get this house finished before my baby arrived. And it was incredibly stressful. But I would, I would, you know, prophesy because I didn't have any money, so I'd have to prophesy. And, you know, that's, that's all I knew what to do. And I'd be calling stuff in. And, but we got the inside of the house finished. I mean, Leanne had ash on the 10th of May. And on the 13th of May, they turned the power and, and you know, electricity and water on. So we had three days where there was no electricity or running water, which that's why for the rest of my wife's life, I'm making it up to her. Uh, <laughs> two babies and no running water, dear Jesus. But anyway, so, so the, the inside was finished, but the outside had this massive, you know, pile of rubble where, you know, they threw the broken roof tiles and they threw, you know, the excess bricks and they threw all the excess drywall and, 
you know, it, it was just, and it was an eyesore. And, and we bought this land in a really nice kind of community. But, but you know, it was like, it, it was embarrassing. And, you know, and I would literally do what the Bible says. If anyone speaks to this mountain and say, be ye removed. <laughs> and I would literally, I would literally pull out of the driveway on the way to work and I'd stop the car and I'm like, and I would prophesy, be removed. And I would, and, and seriously, seriously, I would go to work all day and I'm waiting for the phone to ring. I'm like, any minute the phone's going to ring, and say, you're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe what happened, babe. You're not going to believe it. I'm like, oh, what? Like a, a whirlwind came. <laughs> like, uh, every, and, but every day I'd put, and there would be look, and it was, and it was like, it was like mocking me every day. <laughs> and I'm like, gosh, darn! I'm like, come on, God. I didn't doubt. I believed. I had no doubt. Like, and I was just, you know, I had this thing with God. So this one day I'm reversing out of my driveway. And my next door neighbor, whose yard was finished, Pastor Pam, his, his yard was finished. He owned three McDonald's and he was driving this, you know, beautiful black um, Mercedes. And I had my Honda Civic with a handprint that some lady put on the front of my car <laughs> with broken CV joints and a big rust hole on the side. And, and I almost hit him and he had to toot the horn. I was so embarrassed. I almost hit him with my, my bomby car. And then I'm looking at this flipping mountain just going like this. I'm like, ah. Oh. So, so I pulled the car over and I'm like, I'm not, you, know what, you know what I'm not doing today, Jessica? I'm not going to prophesy. So I, I, instead of prophesying, I'm like, God, you know, I'm done with prophesying. Bible says, speak to this man. That hasn't worked. So I just start giving it to God. I was like, God, you, and I'm just, you know, just, and, and I'm telling him with colorful language in no uncertain terms of my disappointment. And I, I love God. He's so good. He waits till I finish my rant. And then these words changed my life. He said, Jürgen, do you know why you have that massive pile of debris sitting in the front of your lawn and why it hasn't moved? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. But for months I've been telling it to move. So go ahead. Go ahead, embellish, do tell. And then he said this, he says, because it's acceptable to you. And I'm like, have you not heard anything? I've been... But true story, he literally did this. He, he got my heart and he began to show me all these thoughts in my heart. Well, at least I have a home in this community I'm the lowest paid pastor on staff, but I've got the nicest home in the nicest community and had all of these things. And then he showed me I had a second best mentality from continually being disappointed, continually being abandoned, from not having a father that was there. To and so I had accepted less than best. And so I turned the car around, drove into the driveway, true story, drove into the driveway, parked, got out, ran in, grabbed my wife's hands, got down on my knees and said, baby, I want you to know today I repent. That mess that is out there is my fault because it's acceptable. I've had a second best mentality. I've accepted less than God's best. I promise you within a month, money that was available that I could not see 
in my peripheral, all of a sudden, just because I repented and said, this is no longer acceptable, I found a way to get the, the, the lawn done, to get the landscaping done, to get the house finished inside and out. Number one, in this house, you're going to find that the, the water level is going to rise and you will be, uh, you, you're going to find moments where you will no longer accept just an average marriage, accept living with sickness, accept living with torment, accept living with pain, accept living with a, with a wayward son or a wayward daughter, accept struggling and eking your way through life. Pastor Samuel, you rascal, you, there's four minutes left and I've got three points. You, I hate when he's a prophet. <clears throat> number two, number two, <clears throat> point number two is complaint or complacency. Complaint or complaint. A lot of people, again, when they come into Awakened Church, like, oh my God, they're always happy. <laughs> Look at them. Oh, wow. But can I tell you, can I tell you that, that the place of your complaint is the place of your power? The Bible says that Hannah was in the house of God with a complaint. Change does not happen until you hit complaint. As you come into this house, you will find that, that we are not in a delusion that the world is broken. As you come into this house, you, you, you will find that, that we actually do have a little bit of a rail against some of the, the wickedness, some of the tyranny, some of the garbage, some of the nonsense, some of the, the jacked up, messed up, some of the interfering, some of the overhanded, some of the anti-constitutional, some of the removing of... You, you will find that there will be a complaint. Because we teach prosperity. Listen, if you have prosperity without purpose... If you have prosperity without purpose, it will lead you into a self-indulgent life. Prosperity without purpose is empty. But purpose without prosperity is frustrating. To have, to have purpose, to have vision, but not have the means to fulfill it. So in this house, we have no problem declaring to you the Scriptures want you to flourish and prosper. But you need to understand that the Bible says you shall remember the Lord your God. It is He who gives you power to get wealth that you may establish His covenants in the earth. That with, with prosperity comes purpose. Elisha Graves Otis invented the elevator, the elevator, because they were building buildings in, in New York and they realized they had to go up because they couldn't go out because of the limit of land that was available, but how do they get people up and how do they get people up to the higher floors with the, with the stairs? And so he invented, out of necessity, out of a complaint, he invented the elevator. It, it was a, a man by the name of Willis Carrier who in a summer of obscene heat invented what we know today as air conditioning. Necessity is the mother of all invention. Nothing changes in your life until a complaint surfaces. Gideon didn't bring breakthrough to Israel from the hand of Midian until he poured out his complaint before the Lord. 
The Bible says that Gideon, if you read it, he's like a whiny little, you're like, oh, God's going to slap him down. But no, the angel appears to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, go in this might of yours. I'm like, hey, on God, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like a whiny little. He's like, where are all these miracles which our fathers told us? about? Has the Lord not forsaken us and delivered us in the hand? He, he has a complaint. But the angel saw finally somebody is pushing back. Finally, somebody is saying enough with the oppression, enough with the poverty, enough with the struggle, enough with the lack. One of the things that you will find in this house is an elevation of a complaint that you will not accept what is unacceptable. Somebody say amen. Oh, dear God, I got so good. I got 11 seconds. You twisted my arm. All right, well. Okay, number three is awaken God in your life. At least I think it is. What's number three? Yes, I got it right. Awaken God in your life. Because I hit send, Jessica, before I awaken God in your life. There was a scene in, in Hero where the, the disciples are in a storm. And they did such a good job, didn't they? <laughs> and Jesus was, the Bible says he was in the stern. He was in the back of the boat asleep. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And it's really interesting because sometimes I found that God will go to sleep in my storm. Sometimes God will be asleep in your storm. And it's not because He's tired. It's not because He's ignorant. He just is puzzled that you just keep putting up with. The reason we have a 5.30 a.m. men's prayer meeting and the reason we have a women's prayer meeting is because we want to teach our men, teach our women how to awaken God. All the way through the Scripture, I know, I know this is not going to be popular, but all the way through Scripture, God is a response God. God is a response God. Most of us have been taught that, you know, God is sovereign. And absolutely, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. But He created man to have a will. And that, that He gave Adam a free will. He gave you and I a free will. We know that Adam has a free will, that man has a free will because he got to choose what was wrong. It wasn't God's will that he ate from the tree. It, got, it isn't God's will that somebody gets behind the wheel of a car drunk, drifts onto the wrong side of the road and kills a mother. of. That's, that's not God's will. That's man's will. God gave man a will. And the Bible says that that will is so powerful, that will can shut down the purposes of God in your life but it can also engage. And we want to teach people how to bring your will into a place where you can engage God. God said this. He said, if you will draw near to me, then I'll draw near to you. you, you you'll find in the Scriptures, there are many, many times the Bible says, and Jesus would have passed by, except there was a blind man yelling out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. And because the crowd tried to silence him and he refused to be silent, but cried out all the more, Jesus stopped and came to the man and said, what do you want me to do for you? 
which you think would be pretty obvious. The guy's blind. And Jesus says, what would you like me to do for you? Right there, the disciples are like, oh, hang on, who's blind right now? Duh, it's obvious. But Jesus never asks a question he doesn't know the answer to. Jesus wasn't asking because he didn't know. Jesus was asking to release something. He was trying to see where the man's faith was. If the man says, I haven't eaten all day, Jesus would have got him food. I have nowhere to sleep. Jesus would have got him accommodation. But he said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made. And immediately he received his sight. So in this, in this house, we're going to teach you that God is waiting on the other side of prayer. That God is a responsive God. Hannah gave before she got. She gave in faith. She says, I'm going to give. I don't have it yet. But there's a lot of people say, well, you know, when I'm a millionaire, then I'll be a tither. When I'm a, no, 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 you ain't going to get there. You begin now. The Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. God gives seed to the sower. All right, the, the last one, the last one. I promise I'm going to finish on this. It's a little bit naughty though. Should I do it? So it's a naughty point. I got the thumbs up from Michael. All right, the last one, the last one, the last one, the last one is in this house, in this house, point number four, is called live under the influence. Live under the influence. Eli said to Hannah, put your wine away from you, woman. He thought that Hannah was drunk. In Acts chapter 2, verse 15, have a look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 15, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit fell, the people outside thought that they were drunk. But Peter said, these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is only the ninth hour. Instead, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you were so on fire for God that people thought you were intoxicated? When was the last time you were praying with such fervency that people said, man, those guys, they've got to be on something. I actually like the fact that people think that we're on something because we are. We're on the rock. We're, there is no greater high than the most high. Hello, we're on the most high. Now, I've got some naughty little anecdotes. Okay, this, this is just what I learned. So the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, which is debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but it's talking about, so we want you to be filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Spirit. And you will find that there's some similarities. When I grew up, my, my best friend, uh, his name was Martin Stilp. His dad, Herbert Stilp, was, was German. And uh, I loved Mr. Stilp. Because whenever we went to like an Oktoberfest or a German club, he'd be there with his beer stein. And we knew by the time he hit his second beer stein, now's the time to ask him for money. And we would go up to Mr. Stilp and, you know, there'd be like pinball machines or, you know, games or, you know, candies that we wanted to buy. And we'd go, Mr. Stilp, Mr. He's like, ah, oh, come here, kinder, come here, kinder. You know, and he'd be all jovial. But we knew once he hit that second big, you know, beer stein, he's, he's happy. And, and he would just open up his wallet and he, he, he owned a couple of, you know, businesses and he would just shell out. 
I mean, and sometimes he didn't have a $5 bill, so he'd give us a 20 and, and bring me back the change. We never brought back the change. And he never cared. He never cared. But we, saw, we knew that he was generous. You should be generous. Have you ever noticed that drunk people are bold? They have no fear. When I grew up, there was one of my, one of my friends, his name was Robbo. And uh, he, he was just a little guy. He, he was like, you know, he, he only came up to our shoulders. And he was kind, kind of like a timid, you know, he was, you know, b- barely a buck ten, you know, like in, in weight, you know. But he would get drunk and he, he'd look for the biggest guy in the room and want to fight him. And we'd have to keep little Robbo away. And he'd be like this, like this little terrier. Have you ever noticed like little chihuahuas do the same thing? You know, well, that was Robbo. Like he'd go from this timid little pansy and then all of a sudden he gets drunk and he's, come on, fight the Lord, fight the Lord here. You know, and he's like, what we like, Robbo, what are you doing, man? But he'd get drunk and all of a sudden he'd get, he'd get all bold and have no fear. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and a great boldness came upon them. It's saying altar call, but can I give you a couple more? Okay, that wasn't very positive. All right. All right, this is another one. Drunk people get back up. Watch this. This is a true story. When, when we lived in New Zealand, the, 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 the main road of Auckland is Queen Street, Auckland. Queen Street. And we would go down there and, you know, we were trying to do evangelism. And, and uh, you know, we had a guy with a guitar and we're singing, you know, Kumbaya or this little light of mine. We're singing something. Anyway, and right across the street is a pub. Well, this guy staggers out of the pub. I mean, you know, he's like, he's off his chops. And he just looks at us and he sees us singing and he decides he's going to walk towards us. But there's traffic. He sees us, doesn't see the traffic. And you know how something's happening and you can't believe it's happening. And you're trying, but it's, and so I'm like, But it's too late because he's already started. And true story, a car, he goes over the, over the, the hood, up the windscreen, slides up on the side. The car stops, everything. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, the guy's dead. He's dead. And the guy gets up. He gets up and he walks over to the driver and the driver's thinking, oh, he's going to throttle him. He's going to kill me. He walks over to the, the driver's window and goes, Two thumbs up and then kind of limps over to where we're playing the guitar. He got hit by a car, gave the driver two thumbs up, walked over and started singing Jesus songs with us. The reason I share that one is because I've seen people leave the church because they got offended because I wasn't on the music roster. He got hit by a car. Two thumbs up and kept worshipping. And we have people leave because the cat they, they promised me a free cup of coffee and I never got a cup. We need some Christians who are living under the influence 
I get knocked down, but I get up again. We need some Christians that just keep getting up. They keep praising. They just shake it off. Leanne told me not to do the next one, so I better not. No! I'll be in trouble. It's saying altar call. It says I'm already 10 minutes over. All right, can you handle one more? When, when you're under the influence, you'll take risks. When you're under the influence, you'll take risks. When they were full of the Holy Spirit, Peter preached. 3,000 people got saved. When they were full of the Holy Spirit, they refused to back down to intimidation. They went out. In this house, we want you full of the Holy Spirit, living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. A man staggers out of a pub drunk. And he looks and, and there's a nun walking towards him. And he goes. And he starts walking towards her and, and she sees him walking. To, so she you know, tries to step to the side. So he steps. So, she's, so he steps until they're right in front of each other. And she is about to say, you know, can I help you? And he just punches her right in her, knocks her to the ground. She's on the ground like, what the? And he's like, not so tough now, are you, Batman? <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes, but Leanne says, don't tell it in church. She said, it's not appropriate in church. But it's just so naughty. It is just. <laughs> now, obviously, that's a rock. I'm not saying go out and, but I'm just saying. When you're under the influence, that's how many people know that pastor probably should go on probation this week after that joke? Come on, when you close your eyes, bow your head. I promise you one thing, you'll have fun. Church should be fun. We need to put the fun back in Sunday. Sunday fun day. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, for people who are here. Let, let, let me tell you what we don't want to do. We, we don't want to make you religious in the sense of where you're... you're so straining gnats that you're swallowing camels, which was Jesus' commentary of the religious people of his day. They were so busy crossing T's and dotting I's that they missed the big picture of life, of charity, of generosity, of vision, of mission, of purpose. You were created to love God and enjoy God. You were created to love and live, to enjoy this beautiful world around about you, to enjoy the blessings and the bounty of heaven. Father, I pray for those who are living with something that is no longer acceptable. Father, let them, let, let us today say, you know what? I'm not living with this anymore. I'm, I'm going to 
Start believing God for breakthrough in my marriage, breakthrough in my finances, breakthrough in my family, breakthrough in my health. I'm not, I refuse to continue to live with pain. I, continue, I refuse to continue to live under, under this prognosis that I have a ge, ge, degenerative disorder, that my hearing is failing, that my sight is failing, that my knees are failing, that my, you're in a house of healing. You're in a place where Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Awakened church chooses to be a, a church that is with God. We don't care about the words of men. We care about the word of God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for a complaint. That we have people that have a complaint that there's something wrong. That, that the world is in disorder. And we want it to line up with the order that is in the scriptures. Order in the word of God begins with our lives coming into order with the Word of God. Maybe your life is in disorder. Today is your day, friend. Maybe you're here and you just need to awaken God. Maybe you're here and... I found that rather than me strive to be religious, if I'm just filled with the Holy Spirit, live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden the byproduct is I'm bold, I'm generous, I'm kind, I'm courageous. Jesus says nobody who was filled with the Holy Spirit can immediately say, God be cursed. He says, in fact, when somebody's full of the Spirit, you'll find them loving God and loving other people. Father, I pray for people living under the influence. If you're here today and you're away from God, disconnected from God or far from God, would you let me say a prayer for you as we close this service out? If that's you, would you just give me a wave of your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God and I need God today. I need to come back to God. I need to return to God. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, thank you in there. Thank you. Who else is there? Would you just raise your hand? Thank you up there. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you up there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Let's all say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today. You so love me. You sent Jesus to die on the cross, to take away all my sin so that today I am forgiven, I am saved, I am healed, I am delivered from darkness to light. Today I am a child of the Most High God. I live in your kingdom. I thank you for your goodness flowing towards me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.